0: Hello and welcome to Spoiled here at Sifted Games and Sifted.net. This is where we talk about spoilers about your favorite kind of content that could be video games, movies, or TV shows. And today we are going to talk about Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 7. And I am joined by Matt from Game Face. Matt, how are you doing? All right. Still still locked down,
1: but a lot of time to watch Clone Wars. I actually rewatched the whole series while, we,
0: while we've been doing this. Yeah, I'm, that that must have been really fun, especially because Disney Plus came out and that kind of was yeah, a good thing to promote. It. There's a lot of filler in that series.
1: Um, I, I think there's a reason all those you know watch guides exist for it. <laughs> Um, Very there's, a, there's a few arcs in there where i'm like you know what i'm just gonna jump ahead i'm not gonna i'm not gonna make it the battle of mon like it's just it's sometimes it just bogs down and sort of filler and i i have to move along i think rebels is rebels is a better paced and structured show but i think clone wars has higher highs
0: yeah for sure and i it's it's This is perfect. Well, we'll get to that kind of stuff. And uh, I'm going to take care of a housekeeping thing really quick. If you, we are sifted games at sifted.net. And if you like this content, just head over to patreon.com slash sifted and send us a few bucks so we can continue to making this great content for you guys. Also, if you can't do that, or in addition, you could go to Twitch and link your prime account to your Twitch account and give us a free $2 and 50 cents. So if you could do that, that'd be amazing. Um, but we're just going to get right into it. Matt, you kind of already mentioned it. Um, and I was just going to, because Shane and I, both in, when we talked about the last, uh, the, ri- the rise of the last Skywalker, um, we kind of talked about Skywalker. Yes. Thank you. Um, that we uh, mentioned what we, uh, what Star Wars was like us for us, our first times and as a kid, and mm-hmm. what was our first movie and what are, um, what we know about the series. So I kind of give it to you to just let us know kind of, mm-hmm what your history with Star Wars is like.
1: Um, my first Star Wars movie was the original. Um, my dad took me to see it uh, in 1980 uh, when it, they reissued it before uh, Empire came out. Maybe it was 79. I was three or four. And so he knew the new one was coming out. So he took me to see the old one when they reissued it. Cause back in the day there was no home video. There was no uh, DVDs or, uh, really, even VHS or rentals, anything or v- VCRs were very new, uh, about a year or two old at that point for you know, widespread home use. So if you wanted to see a movie, you saw it in a theater or maybe you're lucky and it aired on TV later. But there was, a, there was a period of time when I was a kid and before when if you had a favorite film, there was a chance you might see that movie three times in your life like because it would never run in theaters again. And there was the only people, my dad was a collector at the time and he would, he actually, and his he and his friends collected individual film reels of the movie. So you'd hunt down the actual reels they played in theaters of these movies and you'd project them with a home projector. And that's how people would watch movies that they loved uh, without waiting for uh, a reissue or another release in theaters. But he took me to see the, the original reissue. And then we saw empire a few months later when that came out and I loved it to death, uh, in part because of the AdAts. I love the AdAts, uh, they're dinosaur robots, which was like the coolest thing I'd ever th- encountered in my entire tiny life at that point. And I waited three years for, um, for return of the Jedi. Uh, he would get, he was subscribed to the daily variety, which is the still today, the, the yeah, industry newspaper for film and TV. And any anything that came through on on the new Star Wars, he would hand over to me to to keep. And so I got a bunch of little, like things. And I remember he gave me this huge fold-out thing that it came, the, that the issue came in. It was the size of a newspaper. And on the front it said, uh, "20th Century Fox and Associates are proud to be to be distributing the number one and number two box office grossing films of all time." And you opened it up. To be like a double gatefold thing, and it had the poster of Star Wars and a poster of Empire and said Empire Strikes Back and had like the the box office total at the bottom of each of them. And then you open those two up again to like a four gatefold thing, and it was just a four newspaper page wide logo in red that said Revenge of the Jedi. The original title and it Mm -hmm. said, you know, coming May 23rd or whatever 1983 and I stared at that and opened it over and over and over and over. Cause I was, you know, I was six. And by the time that movie that return of the Jedi came out, I literally waited half my lifetime and I hated it. Um, I, I didn't like return of the Jedi at all. When I was a kid, I thought it was, was dumb. And I thought they wrote Han badly cause he's my favorite character. And I thought he just seemed like a goofball through the whole thing. Uh, I didn't understand who the emperor was cause I was too young to know what that whole political structure meant. Um, I didn't understand why nobody wanted to kill Darth Vader anymore. I didn't understand the concept of redemption, because I was, you know, seven, eight. And, um, you know, I was I was uh, just sort of like, and I didn't believe Leia was his sister. Like, like I thought that made no sense at all. Like and so like my dad used to tell the story. They're like, yeah, I took him to see the new Star Wars, and he just bitched in the back seat the whole way home. <laughs> <It's> just like stuff, <laughs> and I was done with Star Wars after that. Like I basically like kind of didn't. I didn't want any of the real, I really want any of the toys. I didn't want to to play with my stuff all that much anymore. It just sort of disappointed me, and I moved on to Transformers the following year and never looked back. And uh, it wasn't until college that they brought them out on THX, uh, the THX remasters. And I watched, I got, my mom got me the, the letterbox one special ordered from Blockbuster because you couldn't order, everything was pan and scan back in the 90s. You couldn't, you couldn't see uh, movies the way they were supposed to be shown because everybody wanted to fill their screen. And um, so you had to special order, the letterbox widescreen stuff. And I got them and I went back to my, my college uh, dorm after the weekend and I put on the first movie because like I'll just put it on while I clean, you know, the clean tonight because I haven't cleaned in a while. And I ended up just sitting there watching the whole thing on it, like sitting right in front of the TV. Like, this is really good. Like, I it's probably hadn't seen it in 10 years. Like, I, I was and I was like, I can't believe how good this is. Like, I, it's. I, th- I thought it was just going to be like watching one of those stupid things you liked as a kid. And I was like, no, there's actual meat on this things bones. and I understand a lot of the meeting scenes better. And I understand like a lot of it. And so I kind of brought my fandom back and I was a fan through, um, I still played the video games and stuff, but I wasn't like, like paying attention to watching the movies a lot, but I came back into it after that and never really left. Uh, and it is weird to think now probably, especially for someone your age or younger, that there was like a 10, 12 year period where there was no star Wars.
0: Yeah. So for me, my, you know, my first ultimate Star Wars experience was definitely the prequels. Mm-hmm. And and Jay and I talked about it a little bit because it's such a, it's such a difference. And I mean, I knew of Star Wars when I was a kid, like we had the original VHS of the original trilogy. And I always loved Darth Vader, but I never understood any of it because I was, I was way too young at that time. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until the prequels where I finally started to understand Star Wars, and I started to appreciate all the films. But I definitely still kind of like the prequels, unlike un- I don't unfair, hate the prequels.
1: Like unfair I'm,
0: opinion, but
1: I was unusual, I guess, of my generation in that I didn't hate them. Like I thought they were bad. I thought they were like I don't think at least one and two are not particularly good movies. But I see what they're after. Like I, I you mm-hmm. know, I, like the concept is solid. Like you could take the bones of of the prequels, and you could make. A real good trilogy out of that. Like the, the concept of the prequels and the st- concept of the story and the, base, the baseline of what it is is completely valid. Like it absolutely works. Like a tragedy centered on Anakin Skywalker falling and being seduced by the dark side uh, in the, with the background of a, of a political turmoil and a manufactured war and the downfall of, of a democratic, democratic republic and the rise of an authoritarian regime. Like that's a great setting. That's a great setup.
0: Yeah, and I think it uh, even It wasn't more, executed very well. Yeah, and I think uh, kind of bringing it all into Clone Wars is actually, I think they do, it's so nice to see that this supplemental content helps reinforce the great bones that those stories do have. Because I agree with you, the bones... Yeah, Clone Wars, of, Clone Wars makes Anakin a vastly more identifiable and understandable
1: character. And it makes... The Clone Wars series makes episode three a much better movie. Absolutely, I would agree so, 100% because you can kind of twist and and this, these last four episodes as well, like really, because they take place parallel to episode three, like it's partly bull because like, you know, you know, this is being made, you know, 15 years later. So it's like, you know, it's all retconning, like the errors of episode three into being something more profound by, you know, but I think the like convenient, we never found really out important. about Ahsoka before now, but like, oh, yeah. yeah, but it all works. And also, you know, it's, it's Dave Filoni gets star Wars probably better than anyone else.
0: Yeah. Today. Right now at Lucasfilm, like, he is, he's, he's amazing at it. Um, yeah, let's just
1: like, I love the last Jedi. The last Jedi is my favorite star Wars film. Suck it haters. Same here. Um, but like, and Ryan Johnson is ama- like, he did amazing, but Brian Johnson made a great film on top of making a great star Wars story. And I think extrapolated very well from the original trilogy, but I think Dave Filoni gets star Wars, on like a, like Dave Filoni always feels like Dave Filoni's stuff, including the Mandalorian always feels like he's just playing with his toys. Mm -hmm. And, and like, there's a, there's an element of like, Ryan Johnson took when last Jedi kind of took the ideas and themes in the original trilogy and extrapolated them into something way more interesting and way more thoughtful than what JJ had given us in force awakens. Um, And like, it was a really great way of saying like, Oh, you want a dark, more adult centered star Wars movie. Here you go, The Last Jedi, boom. But yeah. Filoni's stuff is like, we're all fans, I'm just like you, I can make whatever I want now, and I'm going to start messing around, I'm going to tell a great story, but I'm going to give you these winks that, I know. it's like, like in Mandalorian where that troop transport shows up, Yep. and like you don't, it's like, okay, if you never had that stupid toy, you just see it's okay, it's another, another vehicle in Star Wars, but if you did have that toy, you're like, Dave knows, Dave gets it, you know, like it was... Like he does, well, put stuff like that all through, and like there's little touches in these episodes where you're like, man, that is a deep fucking cut. Like there's one, there's one shot in one of the final four episodes that I was like, wow. dude, If I ever run into Dave Filoni again, I met him a few times. If I ever run into Dave Filoni again, I have got, I'm gonna hug him for the the couple of the shots in these things because he's he's rebuilding the parts of the old expanded universe that he liked except he's doing it better and kind of under the radar. Like it's, it's a really cool thing to see. And I hope they keep doing more stuff with him. And I hope after this thing, after the last four episodes of this, I will watch a CG star Wars film from Filoni and company, like a couple times a year, like DC universe style. Like if they're willing to do that and put it on Disney plus, like I think this should be a regular thing. They absolutely just prove, they just proved that they have the chops for it so yeah the, it. i
0: would i would say i think we both agree the quality on this is i mean you, they, there's the first chunk of episodes which actually we should just get to really quick yeah. and then we can get to the really 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 good stuff which i think which, everyone is, would which agree. is
1: a good description of the season in general like just yeah. get through those first few and get to the part you want to see I,
0: I think the first few really uh show what Clone Wars started to turn into, in regards to, if you were watching the first couple seasons of Clone Wars, it was very much a kiddie by the book yeah. one episode thread. But I think I think it was after season three, if I'm correct, is when they started to expand it into multi episode threads, and mm-hmm. the stories in those became a lot more fleshed out. The characters felt a lot better the 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 context and everything, and made more sense. Yeah. And I think that I've- really matches it in this first part of that season. Um, Yeah, it's much more like good stuff.
1: And I think uh, it is interesting because having watched, I watched the whole series again during quarantine. And then my friend who had never seen it tried to watch it again and she couldn't get into it because it was, she just felt it was too young and too, and she's right. Like the first couple seasons have a lot of like, Characters make stupid decisions because the plot has to happen. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's just not really very strong storytelling. And she jumped ahead to Rebels, and she loved Rebels. Like, she thought Rebels was some of the best Star Wars she'd ever seen. She loved all the characters. Like, she just wanted more Star Wars, CG Star Wars from Dave Filoni after that. And so she went, she's gone back and is watching the whole Clone Wars thing again. She's trying again with... Like a guide, I re- I had I found for her of like here are the arcs that are like necessary to the story, building up to this final season, and here are the arcs that are just really good.
0: Which so is if, that the same guide you posted to someone on Sifted?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it is. Okay. It's like a, I, just like a white thing with like it's like here's the essential ones and here's the best ones highlighted in blue.
0: Yeah, for listeners, um, I think it's on for it's on Sifted dot net. I think it's on episode 208, yeah, we, we, 208, post, two oh eight. Yeah, two oh seven or two oh eight. when you
1: put this up, remind me and I'll put it there too.
0: Oh, Okay. Um, yeah, for sure.
1: So they, uh, so they are going through it on. She and her mom are going through it on that with that, and they're up to mid, mid to late season three now, and she's finally liking it better. Because um, uh, part of her problem is she doesn't didn't like Ahsoka very much because Ahsoka early on is such a standard sort of kid sidekick. You know, the kids need someone their own age to sort of get into the story. Like, you know, she's Spike with Bumblebee. She, you know, she's the Spike to to Anakin's Bumblebee, or she's the the bumblebee to Anakin's Optimus, to Obi-Wan's Optimus front. You know, she's the, she's the annoying kid character that like everybody in the eight, every executive in the eighties thought a kid needed to identify with anything in a cartoon series. Right. Yeah. It's
0: the one that says, go away kid. Like stop bugging me with this. It's like, this is not important. Stop it. And she gets way better moving on. So
1: that, so I, so I think season three is where there's some good stuff in season one and two. And there's a couple things like the, the rookies, the episode rookies, where it's yes. like this, this, the early on the clones that are in like, like, like they get attacked and their their the commando droids come in and their commander is the only one in the in the facility that has any experience but they like trap him and like execute him on the stairs as he screams to them to remember their training I'm like who is this show for like it's yeah so... it,
0: that that was an intense episode and I think it was a really well made episode yeah and, and I think they what overall they did with the series really well is humanizing the clones and you kind of yeah, see making that making the little clones bit...
1: into someone you care about is one of the greatest feats of this series I
0: think. yeah and you see it in the bad batch like that's just one of the that's the first kind of chunk that we've ran mm-hmm. into is that bad batch of um where fives is t- t- is alive and they surprisingly and i guess now that i'm watching rebels i kind of can see it now with technology merging with humans and turning into more cybernetic uh um uh, in- improvements on people because yeah. fives has like cybernetic arm he has a hand that he can now like stick into the machines like uh like an r2d two can, any kind of droid and uh they've been downloading his specs on like what would they do in this scenario to be able to do the battles and be efficient mm-hmm. in on the on the on the bad side so yeah um, and there's even the, the an element of uh, you know ties in with vader and
1: grievous and stu- such the thing where like the more mechanical he gets the less the other clones trust him yeah. um which is also going to be a theme in cyberpunk 2077. So like the idea that you, the more of your body you replaced, the less human you are, which I think doesn't make a whole lot of sense um, in real world, uh, you know, situations. Cause it's like, you know, if someone comes back from the Gulf war and has artificial legs, they're not less of a human um, than anyone, but like in the world of star Wars, um, you know, it seems like you can only really do the mechanic replacing things with mechanical parts seems kind of Sithish, Sith alchemy ish. And like, certainly that's how, you know, Vader's mechanical parts are not plain old prosthetics. There's some kind of weird Sith magic going on there. Like there's some yeah. weird stuff happening and like exploring that idea, which is another theme that's in empire and Jedi where, you know, where, where Luke, the, the mechanic Luke's mechanical hand becomes a very important thematic symbol in return of the jedi where he realizes who he you know what he looks He'd down become, at his hand and realizes he's becoming his father and um which is something that a surprising number of people didn't get I mean, that's that's the thing i learned yeah recently. i mean that was the first didn't...
0: thing i saw is he just he saw his dad's arm off and he's like oh my god that's me <laughs> i'm yeah. turning into him
1: yeah and like So it's good. The the interesting thing here, I think, I guess like my unorthodox opinion here is I, like I, now that I've seen the final episodes, I get why they felt the need to bring fives in and like kind of deal with like a follow-up to that story where, you know, in the previous one where they found out that he had the chip in his head, uh, that was like, they didn't know what it was for, but everybody had, all the clones had them. And like, they, you know, it was kind of a big
0: conspiracy thing. And I think Um, the cleverness about that episode just really quick is that, uh, like we all know it's order 66, and yeah. so it's just that tension of like we all know what it is but them trying to like figure possibly discovering the thing or trying to stop the discovery is so fascinating
1: yeah well that's, that's, that's one of the strengths of clone wars has always been that you know how it ends that you know, you know and that's sort of uh, for all you spoiler phobes that's one of the key elements of tragedy is that you know it's coming you know it's going to end badly um, you go sit down and watch Macbeth, you know that everyone's gonna die at the end of that play. And but the, but you're sitting there at the beginning of Clone Wars and being like, how are all these clones that are such good allies of these Jedi gonna just turn on them just because some old dude told them to?
0: Especially and, when they humanize them.
1: Right. And then like or and how in Ahsoka, what happened to Ahsoka? You know, for early on, everyone was like Ahsoka's dead meat on a hook. Like, you know, like there's no like clearly she's not gonna live through this because we don't see her in episode three. Uh, Now, Filoni, I think that was going to be the plan to kill her off somehow and make that be one of Anakin's like separation anxiety problems. But I believe Filoni got so much uh, support and pressure from mothers and little girls who loved Ahsoka. They basically begged him, don't kill this character because she means so much to so many people. And I think he found a much better solution for her.
0: But uh, I would say, yeah, Ahsoka. Let's let us let us talk about her for a bit because she definitely she in the last mm-hmm. couple seasons. It's weird because uh, the the show transferred to Netflix last season for its sixth season, and so it didn't really mm-hmm. have a lot of plot storylines that came through. So it's it's kind of like Ahsoka stuff took place yeah, in season six five. was
1: pretty much like season six was pretty much just like we're gonna wrap up a couple of loose threads and we're gonna. Um, Uh, like there were some unfinished shows that Feleni wanted to do. And uh, it's funny that like this, you know, this series took 12 years to make. It started in 2008. And sometimes you see the, the the show slips and doesn't remember that the clone wars in universe take place over two years, like a little under two years. And there's, there's an episode, I think it's season six where they say, or somebody says to someone like all these years of war. And it's like, Well, no, it's been like 18 months. I mean, I I know it feels like, like, it feels like we've been through all these years of quarantine, but like um, it's, it's just funny. It's like, like sometimes I think the production staff forgets that like the the, the show has taken 12 years. The war took two um, in the war in the universe, but like Ahsoka, you know, Ahsoka leaves the Jedi order in season five um, in a series and one of the best story arcs. all, all whose episodes are named after Alfred Hitchcock films because she's on the run and framed by things, which is pretty great. Um, and it's, it's an example of the show kind of like the, the show does a really good job over the course of five, six, and seven, sort of showing how and why Palpatine's machinations will work. Like kind of why he's so good at sort of like convincing people of a lie. um, it's it, it's a very plausible depiction. I think it's a more plausible depiction now in the world we live in because we've seen that people will believe lies no matter how outlandish. Uh, Palpatine feels a much like a much more realistic villain to me now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and
0: I think uh, on top of it, and you know, for her, she is almost in regards similar to Anakin, but it's just the path not taken.
1: Yeah, she and you see, she like doesn't... she she followed his teachings. You know, she. She know, and she has the same sort of uh, uh, feeling of like, you know, rules are only there as a guideline. Like if you think this thing, yeah, you, know, you can do it better or you can do it more efficiently, you can save more lives or do the right thing, she'll do that instead. You saw that in the Onderon arc where she was training Saw Gerrera, um, who, was, who showed up in Rogue One.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that's also a nice arc because you finally get to see a little bit of him younger. He's also in Rebels. Um, but like Saw Gerrera, everyone, if anyone saw... Um, Force Whitaker in Rogue One, and was like, "That's weird that he was in this, and we didn't really learn anything about his character." Go watch that character in Clone Wars and Rebels because that's where the meat of that character is. He's almost a cameo for 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 fans in Rogue One. Um, but uh, and there's a lot of cool little cameos like that in, in these too. I will say this: I know that looking online, people hated the Ahsoka arc with the sisters uh, like the most, but I liked it. I, I, I didn't... I know it's not as good as the final four, obviously. But I. while I think episode three where they're in the jail cell could have been one scene as opposed to a whole stretched out escape scene that ends up with them back in jail again. Yeah. Because uh, I'm like, okay, you could have gotten the character information across and not wasted my time with 20 minutes of an escape that doesn't work. But um, I liked her kind of lear- having get the upper lower decks thing where she has to kind of come down from that ivory tower and see how people really live. I like that they're on level 1313, uh, which is the, you know, one of the one of the famous sort of like scum levels of Coruscant uh, and where of course that canceled game was gonna take place was actually, the project yeah. was named that. Um, and I, you know, and having to kind of learn, there, there's a weird sort of like veil, it's not even veiled really at some point, like there's a criticism of sort of a capitalist system in the Clone Wars, where like, you look at these situations where they have this fantastic technology, they have these things, they can do like unreal, magical tech, tech things, but people are still starving in the streets. People are still beholden to like, shakedown artists, like, you know, trying to run their businesses and stuff. Like it's, and it's part of that is because it's a, you know, it's a mashup of space opera and sort of like Westerns. So you need that corruption kind of mob element to sort of give the underworld its flavor and and, and that's sort of what Jabba the Hutt was in the first place. But um, you hit a point where like just all the talk in, in this series especially about like people being under crushing debt and people being unable to make ends meet and the, the, the frequency of slavery and the amount of resources spent at the top for this like crazy inter, crazy interplanetary war while like people in like like speeder repair shops like are like living as orphans with with parents that were killed by like you know like that's a really cool backstory that they use where the, the girls lost their parents because of a mistake the Jedi made they were the parents were collateral damage during a yeah. chase with Cad Bane that actually happened in the series several seasons ago that Ahsoka remembers
0: yeah and she was like, a part of it so yeah. she like she's like oh I take and I think that was the thing that made her not want to say anything to anybody yeah. because she. She is feeling responsible for that and understanding that, you know, maybe it kind of in that episode in a sense, and it does set up that for four uh, four episode arc, which um, for that next arc of Order 66 Mm -hmm. um, is just reassuring her and reaffirming what she believes in regards to things need to change.
1: Yeah. And also like it's, she's an interesting, it's an interesting parallel with Anakin because the difference between Anakin and Ahsoka is she's able to let go. She walks away. She accepts her new reality. She finds a new place to be. But then when it, when the chips are down, she does go back to try to save the people that meant something to her. But Anakin could never do that. Anakin Anakin can never do that. Anakin can never delegate. Anakin couldn't accept that he couldn't solve all of it. And... um
0: yeah, because he just he wishes he could, and that's what he hopes to do in, in yeah. taking his new role as Darth Vader. and, and that's what this, he's used to doing. Yeah.
1: Like, every other time that's worked. Like he spent the whole Clone Wars doing that, and that's shown very clearly at the beginning of that, that order 66 arc, which is the best written Anakin has ever been. I think.
0: And, yeah, we can get right into that. I mean, yeah, that, that, like it's, these, it's so well done. Like this, so
1: clearly these four episodes were the order 66 arc was meant to be a movie. Um, to the point that it starts with the old green Lucas art, Lucasfilm uh, text logo. Um, and because the budget is crazy high, uh, the pacing is incredibly good, the choreography is amazing. Um, yeah, I was going to say, fact,
0: best, so, best, best, best sword fight, I mean, lightsaber oh, yeah. fight between Ahsoka and Maul yeah. ever in the series. And I'm like, and the, this uh, is phenomenal. Wow. Yeah. Like, give and, me more of this. <laughs> and the... Um, uh
1: like, these episodes are so much better than the rest of the Clone Wars series, it's annoying. Like, and I know they couldn't all be like that because it's a long series and there wasn't the budget and there wasn't the freedom to do it, It wasn't the tech. I mean, you're only finally at the, like, one of the things you see them showing off here is like, yeah, we have the money and the tech to finally put Obi-Wan in his Jedi robe because we couldn't afford cloth physics before now basically mm-hmm. um but like anakin comes out you know obi-wan's pinned down on a bridge with commander cody and his troops and anakin just walks out and he's like oh i thought you could use some help we already finished our thing we were doing and like walks out and has like a really devious plan that he like tricks the droids and is showing their leader and then he wrecks in the in the crew busts out and you know blows the whole thing apart and it's a perfect example of how Anakin thinks that as long as he sort of goes a little bit outside the lines and does what he knows, what he needs to do, everything will work out because it all works out for him. And like you know, moving into Episode Three, obviously that stops being true. And like that's a re- you know, kind of using this movie, let's just call it movies in this movie in conjunction with Episode Three. Like I think it enhances Episode Three t- tremendously, especially when you see how it works in parallel. I will also go ahead and say. That taken as a whole, these four episodes, as a, if you consider it like a movie, like because I think I think you do. I mean, you, yeah, you I would match these together, I, yeah, and it would, would be. It would be a I, it's a movie. It's yeah. a movie.
0: Let's be honest. The way I mean, um, even the cuts yeah. between where it ends and where it comes back, you could put them together. Yeah, and you it's could just
1: m- match it up, and it'd be. I mean, I would love to see them do that. I would obviously put it up on Disney Plus as its own movie, in addition to being there as the season seven eventually. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it. This is the third best Star Wars movie. Like, I would put it only under Last Jedi and Empire. Like, this is an incredible piece of work. Uh, Filoni knocked it out of the park back, towards, and forth. And actually, I meant to look it up before we did this, but I forgot. I don't remember, I don't know who did the music in these, but dude knocked it out of the park. Yeah, he nailed it. Astoundingly good. It's like a mix of like John Williams and Vangelis from Blade Runner, and it's the most foreboding, like you listen to it with a good subwoofer and like episode three in particular, like the music is just like, got this under kind of uncomfortable undercurrent of bass that just lets your spine know that nothing is okay. The whole time you're just waiting for everything to be horrible. And it's, it's so well done. Like I, I was, I remember I, I've been watching this sort of, piecemeal and then i got to the end of season six and i decided oh i'm just gonna i'm just gonna wait until all the season seven episodes are out and then i'm just gonna watch them all at once and the first episode of this episode nine went up and um my friend uh brian who is a also a giant star wars huge star wars nerd like just texted me uh, that day in all caps clone wars and i was like what 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 he's like have you not seen the episode? And he's like no. he's like best animated star wars thing ever you need to see it right now and i'm like all right what else am i doing so i load it up i could not believe it like the the scene in in the first episode where ahsoka jumps out of the 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 lander and just like fights her way down to the ground that is one of the greatest scenes in star wars period full stop like that is amazing stuff yeah, and the absolutely. choreography is great. Like you said, the the fight with Darth Maul is not just the choreography. Although the fact it is, the choreography is great because they did actually find Ray Park, the guy who played Darth Maul, put him in a mocap suit and had mm-hmm. him do it. Like it was, you know, it's not like the weird stop and start fights that the rest of the Clone Wars series has. It's a really good fight choreographed by expert martial artists and fight choreographers.
0: Well, it's also greatly cut. The yep. music is really well done. Well, and also, the more tension importantly, in the scene is amazing, and it adds to the everything that's happening. Oh, yeah. Like everything leads to that moment, and that moment just blows everything out of the water in every way possible. Like yeah. I don't. And I, I, I said
1: that uh on so i watched them individually as they came out and then when the, when the fourth one came out on the fourth my movie night crew and i had a we had a you know a digital movie night where we all get on uh video chat and watch the thing together mm-hmm. and um as we were uh, you know and i said during that i'm like this fight is the is better than any fight in the prequels like because not just from choreography because i think you know the choreography in episode one's fight with darth maul is amazing like that that yeah, fight is still fantastic
0: absolutely but
1: and the music also great you know, duel of the fates is one of the all-time greats but nothing in the prequels succeeds as well as that ahsoka maul fight in terms of storytelling character beats setting making every i mean just felonies um, did such a good job there like like with the fighting in the throne room like the echo the echoes of the fights between vader and luke um also the really uh, the good. fighting of
0: the outside between maul's people and the mandalorian people trying to yep. reclaim their home like there is just so and much then, undertones in this and that then the fight up in
1: the
0: fight, oh, up, the, up in the fight up in the skyscrapers yep
1: where they're all like kind of up, i mean what a great setting for that what a great place that only jedi could fight and not just immediately fall off and like kind of the, the back and forth and really good and the fact that if you kind of line up the events that is taking place pretty much at the same time as the opera scene between palpatine and anakin in episode 3
0: yeah so it, like, yeah because uh because we had that then, scene where she sits there and she hears mace windu yeah cuz that's get, right get, after get, that yeah and Which like and amazing. the other thing is
1: like how great Ma- so sam witward really just Kills it through this whole thing. His performance as Maul is, is the best he's ever been.
0: I mean, Maul's and, probably one of the most underused characters in the entire yeah. Star Wars universe because he does such a good job with him and he continued to do his stuff even in animation and it's still good.
1: And in fact, I would say um, I wish they'd given them a, li- a few more episodes in this, this season. So they could have made, because uh, th- this is using old planned episodes that never got made. Like, he, like, yeah. Filoni had a panel in 2017 talked about the end of this story. Like, they, he's known for a long time that this is what, how the series ended. They just didn't have a chance to do it. But one of the other sets of episodes that, that they didn't get to make was, was turned, was about Maul, and it was turned into a comic series called Sons of Dathomir. Um, Son of Dathomir, which was one of the last Dark Horse comics before Marvel got the license from Disney when that changeover happened, and is the only, to my knowledge, the only Dark Horse era Star Wars comic that is still canon because it, it is adapted out of the, the Clone Wars uh, episodes that never got made. And I would have loved to have seen them make that into a four-episode arc for this season. Um, yeah, that, I would just I would because I think it would for sure. it would ma- it would be a nice sort of flow where you get a set of, a story about rex and fives that kind of establishes that because that becomes important a story about ahsoka and where she's come since we last saw her and a story about how maul became the guy he became to do what he did on mandalore to take over mandalore um like i think i think because those are your three primary characters in this final arc and it would have been nice to have highlight each one in his, their own story arc so i would have liked to have seen that but Definitely. that's my only real criticism there
0: yeah, for sure. I mean, when you said that, that's that's definitely popped in my mind is those are the three key yeah. characters and they constantly I mean, even so once they get Ma- once Maul gets captured and then Order 66 comes mm-hmm. through. Oh man, Which, the is, tension which of- by the way,
1: Maul being captured is one of the great moments in this because this is a this is a guy who's like, he's super confident. He's super evil. He's violent. He does whatever he needs to do. He has no fear of anything but he's terrified of Sidious.
0: Oh yeah. Like Like that. He he doesn't even, he doesn't
1: really know what's coming. And matter of fact, when that episode first went up, I'm like, he knows what order 66 is. Like he know he's terrified to be around those clones, but he didn't, you know, it turns out later that he didn't quite know what, what it was. Yeah. I think he knew it as
0: soon as he tried to manipulate the clone that he captured. I think that's when he found out. And then he's like, Oh shit. Like, I need to get everyone out of here like this is not good we need to hide like we can't do anything
1: he's panicking as they pull him up to that that the lander and like it's so good like because you because as the audience you know exactly what's coming and he's the you're you're stuck in this weird position of saying like everyone listen to the villain like it's like it's and that's a great that's a that's a rare and great story twit trick you get to pull like it's it's super smart. It's it's Filoni really thinking on his feet in terms of taking what exists and, and saying, how can I tell the tensest, like most heartbreaking story possible with what we have to work with in episode three? And he just picks it up and runs with it. And it's amazing.
0: And I think this episode really, and especially this and end movie type scenario we have is, I think it would not have been as amazing as it was if we didn't have Rex involved. Because I think that was the thing that kind of, Especially once Order Sixty Six happened, and Rex was forced to turn on Ahsoka, I think really changed the elements of how everything is happening. I think even the mm-hmm. smallest line where Rex is like, Ahsoka says, "Don't kill him," like they're yeah. still he- They're still they're still your brothers. I'm not going to be the one to do it, and neither should you. And I think yeah. that is such a powerful line from everything in the series, not just not just like this season, but all the episodes of really still saying like. It doesn't matter, it's, this is something out of their control and we're not gonna kill them for making that decision.
1: Yeah, and you gotta also like, think about how, even the seri- series has touched on a couple times, but like, the Jedi really don't value the clones' lives very much. And to see for Ahsoka sure. finally come around and sort, and she always has to some degree, because the thing, the thing that's interesting about her parallel with Rex is that the two of them are both child soldiers all the all the clones and and her they're all you know they were all 10 years old when you know they're they're they matured faster because of the clone rapid aging process thing but she was like 14 when she got sent to the front lines of an intergalactic interplanetary war and uh he was 10 when it's, he's still like 12 years old like that's how old the clones yeah. are at this point um yeah, at least the ones that started at the beginning of the war, and I think we've always wondered. You know, Rex does show up in Rebels as an older man, and it has been made canon that he is in Return of the Jedi. Um, the older Rebel on Endor with the beard looks a lot like the older Rex. It's oh. in Rebels, and Lucasfilm liked that the fan theory so much they they now say that yes, that's Rex on Return wow. on the on the Endor raid in Return of the Jedi um so which is really a really cool way to kind of do something retcon That's just sort of a nod to the fandom which is mm-hmm. cool um so i think that and, the, and i think that scene with him is really good in the sense that because he survived order 66 and when you run into him in rebels he is not he's he's kind of a refugee guy like, clearly he's with he's with that crew that did not follow order 66 everybody's i think we all just kind of assumed like oh well rex is so close with ahsoka and Anna. Like he he wouldn't have done that like he wouldn't have Have turned on them and like introducing the chips in the head and sort of like how powerful and how pre-planned that all was and making it so even he turns makes Order sixty six much more tragic and and like and even and the second time I watched it and I think I saw I mean I didn't I need to see it again to be sure but I'm pretty sure when he talks to Palpatine and then turns to her I think he's crying
0: yeah I think I think it was too. yeah. yeah. He
1: gets that last, you know, find fives line out, but I think that there's a tear running down his face when he turns to see to face her again and has to and struggles to not pull his guns out, but he does. Yeah. And, and it's, so, it's
0: so tragic just to see the tension of him not wanting to do it. Yeah. But is being and, forced and it's like to.
1: and they set up, you know, Jesse is a new character that we haven't seen before, the clone clone trooper, who is the one captured by Maul and tortured and who doesn't give it up and refuses to, you know, other than when the, you know, he was the force to rip yeah. his mind out. Sure. But then Jesse's leading the charge to kill her by the end of the movie. And like, it, 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 does a good job of sort of portraying it, you know, cause that's one of the things everybody, I always wondered and everybody I knew wondered when we saw episode three is like, why did they do that? Like, why would, why would these soldiers have less loyalty to these people they fought side by side with on the ground in the field across the galaxy than to this, like, old man in a robe like why you know why would i mean they're conditioned okay they're conditioned yeah soldiers are conditioned but like soldiers don't necessarily follow the moral orders like that like you're gonna have a hard time getting a marine platoon to turn around and shoot their commanding officer even on the worst of days but like uh you'd at least want to arrest them right not just murder them in the field and so everybody like what was that about and so like you're finally kind of you know and that should have been addressed in the movies let's be honest but um, and probably would have been originally, but uh, we lost the movie to episode one, which should have been episode two and episode two should have been about the Clone Wars and episode three should have been the Purge. Um, but now you're getting into my rewritten Clone Wars uh, uh, <laughs> prequel trilogy. Um, because here's, here's, a fun, here's a fun fact, because um, back in the day, Gary Kurtz used to talk a little more openly about the original nine movie plan, um, which Lucas later denied as being true. But it was a thing that they talked about and. Um, the original plan. So you had Star Wars, which was going to be the, the you know the, this trilogy, A New Hope, Empire. The originally the, pl- the, the plan was the prequel trilogy was going to be called Clone Wars, not Star Wars. So it would be Clone Wars, da, 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 and then seven through nine were going to be called Jedi Wars. Oh, okay. Because um, originally Leia wasn't his sister. I mean, originally Vader is not his father. Vader is not his father in the original Star Wars. Um, it, that that idea didn't come up until the second draft of Empire. Um, and then Leia was brought in to explain as his sister is brought in to explain, uh, no, there is another, because originally that line was a hook for the sequel trilogy. Uh, cause they were going to defeat Vader in episode six. And then Le- Luke was going to go have to find his sister who was indeed a twin sister and was being trained by a different group of Jedi on the outer rim, but a different group of Jedi in the sense of like Mace Windu. Cause you notice how Mace Windu is kind of a dick. Yeah, <laughs> Like he's sure. just, a, he's, a, he's a different kind of Jedi from, from Yoda. You know what I mean? Oh
0: yeah.
1: Um, she was going to have been trained by Jedi like him. And so she was going to be an aggressive fighter. Like she was going to be, we got to go find the emperor and cut his damn head off. And Luke was going to be more the Zen monk Yoda style. And the, the, one of the central conflicts of the new trilogy was going to be um, Luke and his sister coming to terms with each other from their very different ideas of what being a Jedi should be because she would be a warrior type and he would be, you know, basically you're talking about the difference between like a Jedi watchman and a Jedi consular, I guess would be. Sure. Like, yep. You know, if you're going to go
0: with peace the, and the, war, basically. Yeah. you
1: going to go with the KOTOR classes. It would be something like that. Like she would be, have the two sabers and be doing crazy stuff. And yeah. he'd be like, um, maybe we should talk about it. you know? <laughs> um, which would have been interesting, but they would have had to make that when Mark Hamill was more like, you know, 30. Um, right. But uh, so, so that is, so yeah, so I have a whole thing where uh, he, again, like I said, you could rewrite The prequels into something very it'd be great it'd be neat to redo the prequels now knowing everything we know knowing how clone wars inc integrating ahsoka like sort of like telling a more complete and functional story um it would be a really interesting exercise to to go back and do that i'm sure they will one day
0: Yeah, I mean, even Um, though I don't currently, I don't think it'll happen. I do like these pieces of content that they're releasing that is supplementing the bare bones of the good, the bones that were there that were good, and that it's going to make a good Star Wars. But to kind of, I just want to get to the last scene before we start kind of wrapping up a little Mm -hmm. bit. The last scene with Darth Vader walking out into the snow and then holding Ahsoka's lightsaber, and the shot is just really well done. I think with when he looks to the sky and you can see his. Um, part of his uh, burnt face, and specifically through, his through eye. Through the lens. Through the lens.
1: Which is a direct reference to the first movie because um, the, the eyes on the, on the first movie's Vader suit are red and they are a little see-through. You can see David Prouse's face through it in a couple of shots. So which is, uh, that's, again, that's what I'm talking about with Filoni's little nods to things. Like, like if you look closely, Vader in that shot is an episode four suit and you can tell that because he has the red eyes he has the, the, the tunic is over his armor, which was a mistake that they just sort of rolled with and it's under the armor in empire and Jedi as it should be. And then, um, he has, if you look real, here's a real close one. If you look at the, the, the breath mask. So there's two little silver like knobs down yeah, at the bottom pointy, of the mouth. Aren't they? Yeah. So in the first movie, this one's here and this one's missing. Oh. The one on his right side is missing. And they're, they're both there in Empire and Jedi, but in the first movie, this one is gone. And I learned that because I ordered the Sideshow 12-inch Vader figure, episode four version, when they put that out years and years ago, and it arrived, and it didn't have that silver thing there. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, did that fall off? Did, did it break off or something? And then, I, and then I looked through, and I looked at the pictures on the box, and I'm like, oh, it's like that in the pictures. Is that? And I looked up pictures from the movie, and I'm like, he doesn't have one of them on, on that. Wow. that's, that's actually, So Filoni knew that Filoni made sure that that looked the way it's supposed to look. That is almost certainly the last time he held a blue bladed lightsaber uh, before yeah. he died before the end. It's also, you know, more, you know, more, um, more fitting in the sense that, um, you know, it's not just his you know, blue bladed lightsaber, but it's one he made.
0: Yeah. He, you know, and it he was even more impactful because in that moment, Padawan. that's his Padawan. They literally had a moment together where he's like, I'll yep. see you soon. And little do they know, which is such a great moment where, you know, the actors did such a good job of not selling anything of because they know what happens. So it's yeah. really hard to act that scene out to say like, oh, you don't know what's going to happen that, you know, all of a sudden. They're going to be very different when they see each other yeah. again, extremely different.
1: And they will in rebels, which is also a really good when she figures out who, who he is. It's very sad and very, very good. There's a couple other good uh, little fan service moments. Um, speaking of rebels the very beginning of the first episode where they do sort of the, the little recap of like the Clone Wars what's happening they show like a bunch of Jedi having a meeting around the table in like hologram form mm-hmm. they show a, a Depa Balaba and a, uh, and a younger boy her boy is young boy her Padawan the young boy is Kanan
0: oh. from
1: uh, from rebels which you would know you know if you read the the Kanan uh, comic spin-off series which goes into his origin and how he survived order 66 which is actually a pretty good series Um, the other fun bit is, um, uh, two fun, bit, another rebels tie in, um, when they deliver Maul to the, to the ship to, for Ahsoka to take him back to Coruscant and, um, uh, Bo-Katan is there with the, she's there with the other Mandalorian with her helmet off, like an Asian with, with black, Asian Mandalorian with black hair. That is Sabine Wren's mother. Oh, Okay. Uh, from Rebels, the the Mandalorian with the the, the graffiti artist yeah. Mandalorian from uh, from Rebels. That's her mom. Uh, and then the other, the, the last little thing I, I'll point out is um, when in the second episode, Maul has a hologram conversation where he tells his other mob bosses under him to shut everything down and go into hiding, basically, because it's all going to start coming down. Uh, so the three he's talking to in the middle is is uh, one of the pikes. Which is one of the the organized crime people that Ahsoka is dealing with. On yep. the on the right side is Voss, the bad guy from Solo. Um, oh, yeah, that's played right. by Paul Bettany. So that's him. And on the left is Shizor, um, the the black leader of the Black Sun, the lizard guy from Shadows of the Empire. Um, and there have been Feline. He's a Feline, is the name of that race. But there have been Feline in the new expand, in the new Disney universe. But he's wearing Shizor's clothing, like he's wearing the same robe, the purple robe, the whole. It's definitely him. It's his first appearance in Disney canon. Nice. And Feloni just threw that shit in there. I don't even like Shizor very much, but I'm just like I was like Shizor. I like was like I love seeing those weird little things. And so. Tons of weird little stuff like that in, in there for, for you if you're paying paying close attention. Even, and this is another Filoni, like I said, like Filoni likes to play with his toys. When the Imperial shuttle lands, when the Tidarium style shuttle lands at, at, at the beginning of the Vader scene, the landing gear that come down out of it are not the movie model landing gear. They are the same type of landing gear that were on the old Care toy in 1983. Oh, um, Which I love because it's just like, it's like there's a non-zero chance that Dave Filoni just brought his Imperial shuttle in and said to the modelers, use that. <laughs> and I love that. Which like, I stuff think- like that that keeps me excited. And it doesn't impact anything. If you don't get it, it doesn't ruin anything. You're not missing anything. But it's there if you, can, if you know it and you want to see it. And it's great.
0: Yeah, I know I watched uh, the documentary series that they do right now on Disney Plus for The Mandalorian about the season and the directors. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them had said as directors, because Dave Filoni, if I'm correct, did the first episode of The Mandalorian for the season. Um,
1: I think that's right. Yeah.
0: And so, but the, all the directors were actually together throughout each episode. So um, they constantly said that they reached out to Dave Filoni in regards to asking him questions about Star Wars. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's so nice to see someone really love the material in that way. And um, I know they're uh, kind of wrapping it up a little bit at the end of kind of the future of Star Wars. I know there is... Kathleen Kennedy probably will not be in her position, is my guess, and I just I would say really get Dave Filoni in because I think sort of. he he knows Here's how to a, write it and he and cre- as a creative at least yeah, for sure. Yeah, I
1: wouldn't replace Kathleen Kennedy with him. Um, because... yeah, I should be
0: a I should be a duo, maybe like John Favreau and him together, like yeah, John Handy. Like, Favreau would be
1: an interesting choice. Uh, I don't know if he'd want that job cause it would be so time consuming. The thing, like I would want Filoni is basically like the create chief creative officer or something of Lucas. Yeah, like basically like that. he would be the over cause, cause uh, Kathleen Kenny's position does do that, but she also has to deal with a whole bunch of business shit, which I think is actually her forte. Like she's a, you know, she's a, she's a, a logistics producer. She's always, I think she's always been a logistics producer more than a creative producer in a lot of ways. And she's really good at that. Like she's, she's done that on some of the greatest films of our lifetimes. So you can't, you can't fault her uh, for, for not being a great producer because she's one of the great producers of her generation. Um, But I would like to say that Filoni in that situation, you'd you'd have promoted him so high. He couldn't do the job anymore that we want him to do. So I would definitely keep him in as a kind of sort of a close creative oversight role, sort of like Feige. Like Feige doesn't run Marvel comics. He runs Marvel studios. Um, yeah, so sure. I, you can't have, you can't have Filoni run Star Wars, the Inc., Star Wars Inc, which is basically what Lucasfilm is. He has to run the production stu- side, which is, so I think, I think they will put him in the right place. I think Disney knows, especially building off the lessons of, um, of, uh, Kevin Feige and Marvel studios that they need someone that loves the material, knows the material and has an instinct for it. Like kind of calling those shots and not just calling those shots. Cause the thing you got to remember as a producer, one of the, one of the ways you do your job is to step back and let the people you hire do their jobs. Like you have to know when it's not, when you're not needed. Um And that's one of the hardest things some producers have to learn is like, you don't have to stick your fingerprints over everything.
0: You and I think that's just, something you can do with, with everything in general is like, yeah. and I, I've supervised twenty twenty 20 to 30 employees before I did this. And my, part of my job was to say, I need to keep my hands off and let yeah. them learn and let them do whatever they do best.
1: Yeah, if everything's going smoothly and the end result is good, if you didn't have to say anything, it just means that you did your job right first. Exactly. So that's a hard thing to learn sometimes when everybody's so focused on results, results, results. What did you do on this project? What did you do on this project? It's like, what did I do? I hired everyone who did the project. Like that's that's producing too, You know that, that means something too. And I will say, I, I met Dave Filoni a couple times. Um, he's a really cool dude. I doubt he'd remember me. But um, uh, the, one, of the, one of my favorite time was uh, I went to a press screening of Shin Godzilla. And uh, we were leaving, I was leaving there and i saw i saw him i, mean, I outside, I'm like outside like he wears this distinctive hat cowboy you know, hat the cowboy he always wears hat. hat and uh, i was like oh that's dave Filoni. and so i went over and started talking to him with a bunch of you know, other people other fans were recognizing him too because he's a huge godzilla fan and so we we're talking about, and i just you know i said i wanted you know i was there with uh, chris gore who used to host on g4 and did film threat and stuff so he knew him and introduced me and like we talked about this this i'm like i really liked Clone Wars, Clone Wars, this is years ago, of course, so Clone Wars wasn't done yet. But like, I was like, you know, I really like that. And my, fa- and he's like, he's like, what did you, you know, what was it? It's like, did you like the Zillow Beast, the Zillow Beast arc? Because like, I'm like, I did. Because he's like, some people hate that thing. I'm like, no, it's a Godzilla movie. I love it's it. It's
0: actually, it's actually, I saw an interview with him and George Lucas just a couple days ago. It's his, one of his favorite episodes.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't blame him. It's, it's, it's exactly a Godzilla movie. And so he told me a story, he pulled out his phone. He's like, you want to see some pictures and like he's and I'm like all right what do you and so she shows me these pictures and I'm looking at it and I'm like he's like do you recognize that and I'm like that's the king that's King Caesar's temple from Godzilla uh, Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla he's like very good like he's so he's he's such a huge Godzilla nerd he went to Okinawa with his wife and took pictures at the actual locations of Godzilla versus mechagodzilla Godzilla oh, and awesome. um and like has pictures of him holding the shots from the movie up against <laughs> the actual location and he also brought in he flew in like packed up and brought with him because they were going to like a like an anniversary I think the 50th anniversary um screening of Godzilla in Tokyo and um he brought his own mecha godzilla suit and he had it on, he went to the premiere and it was such a good suit that the Toho people thought he was there working for them like he oh. and they brought him into like the this special area, the VIP, and it wasn't until it took like 20 minutes until he took his helmet the, the thing off and they're like, "What the hell it's a white American guy <laughs> like, in, like they thought he was there because they hired him, but he's like, "No, this is just my suit." and they're like, "Wow." and then like when they found I guess they found out who he was and like they let him stay and, and hang out but like cool. I'm like, that's, like, that was what a great, it's like, of course you want someone like that making this stuff. Like, that's the, you know, that's the fan we all are making good on, you know, and Feige's like that too. Feige is a giant comic nerd. He he was a PA, basically, on the first X-Men, and he got promoted because he was saying, like, that Wolverine's hair was wrong. And it should be, and, and Hugh Jackman, who to his credit cared so much about getting this stuff right, said, Okay, let's go to the makeup room, the hair, hair room, and like show me how it's supposed to be. And he, and like Feige did his hair up into the Wolverine points. And after that, like he basically got promoted to like lore master. And that's how he started in Marvel movies. Oh, that's um, awesome. So every once in a while, like you get one of the right people in the right place. And I think Filoni is that for Star Wars right now, especially moving forward now that you no longer have the structure of the, the trilogy. Um, and you're kind of like, you have to start telling kind of individual stories, which I think has been the weakest, the weakest part of the movie so far, you know, Solo didn't really know what it was, was about. Uh, I have heard that the, this final arc, this order 66 arc with Ahsoka was actually pitched as a possibility for the movie that Solo ended up being like that, that slot that, you know, that was supposed to be a star Wars story slot. And I believe I've been told, I don't know if it's true, but I was told that Filoni pitched this as, why don't we make this, that movie? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that would have been a much better decision.
0: Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, that would have been amazing. But to...
1: uh, going forward, I think between this and Mandalorian, um, Filoni has proven his chops as the person who needs to kind of guide this series forward into this new wilderness of being, being Star Wars without Skywalkers. right and uh, we'll see how it goes but like I know Disney wants to do the thing with like Disney Plus they want new Star Wars content every week on Disney Plus of some you know right now it's the Mandalorian behind the scenes series Uh, CBS all-access is gonna do something similar with Star Trek like there's gonna be new Star Trek every week on CBS all-access some of that looks pretty good Some of that's gonna be pretty good too I think but I'm very much behind the idea of of letting Filoni kind of run wild in this universe for a while because I don't think anyone else, even as much as I love Ryan Johnson's take in Last Jedi, he's got other things to do. He's got a career to worry about that doesn't have anything to do with Star Wars. I'd rather see him make his own, you know. Would I have loved to see Ryan Johnson write and direct uh, episode nine so he would have gotten something that wasn't a pile of complete garbage? Yes. But am I more happy that ryan johnson got to release a movie of his own and get nominated for an oscar for it yes that's the move he should have made like he I, he he made the best move for himself and i will just have to deal with the fact that no one ever made episode nine and it's really weird that that movie doesn't <laughs> exist
0: yeah i think, I, think I will say
1: this uh, uh you know in terms of like all the people who hate the prequels or whatever episode nine is worse than all three prequels
0: i actually am a hundred percent agreement with you on that so I, i've
1: spent years saying episode two is the worst star wars movie because attack of the clones is kind of a has a lot of bad idea bad yeah. but if you strip attack of the clones down to its bones there's you could make a good movie out of it rise of skywalker is unsalvageable like it's rotten to the core it's just it's that's the thing that i've always said it's like i i don't necessarily like episode two but like i can accept the events of episode two as having happened in star wars like anakin got assigned to padme and they fell in love and obi-wan found these clones and they got captured on geonosis and there's a conspiracy with darth with uh, darth tyrannis and darth sidious and a clone war started because of the conflict on that and then they got secretly married and now we're moving forward in the clone wars and that's what happened I can accept that. I think a lot of moment-to-moment choices are poor. <laughs> let's say uh, sand is very rough. Course, the the bad decisions are coarse, rough, and get everywhere. But I can't do the same thing with Rise of Skywalker. I can't. I can't in my mind accept the idea that somehow Darth somehow Palpatine returned. I cannot accept all the garbage that happens nonsensically in that movie. It is so. I tried to rewatch it when it went on, on Disney plus and I got about a third of the way through and I'm like, you know what? I can't, I can't do it. And I made it through solo again. <laughs> I made it. I did.
0: Actually, I, I I will say solo is my worst, but that's, that's, to that's just fair. You
1: know. I mean, that's, that's fa- like, solo is such an uninspired, dumb idea that like, but the thing with solo is like, solo is just a movie. It's just, it's, a, it's like Captain America one. It's like, it has a beginning and a middle and an end and characters say words to each other and credits roll at the end. You know, it's like the only thing I could say about solo is like, I don't think I needed to see that. I don't think that needed to exist. Rise of Skywalker is like, what the fuck did you just do? <laughs> like the thing that's the thing is like rises. I, I mean, I, we could do our own separate show uh, on uh, why for I, sure. much I hate Spo- Rise of Skywalker, but it's like, the prequels are all bad in a certain way that all bad star Wars from George Lucas is bad. Like even the weird dumb parts of return of the Jedi are, are bad and dumb in the same way the prequels are bad and dumb for the most part. Return of the Jedi. If you look at it, honestly tells you the prequels are coming. Like Mm -hmm. there's similarities and structural parallels there that I like, like when you look at that in episode one, you're like, okay, yeah, we should have seen that coming, frankly. Um, Whereas Rise of Skywalker is a bad J.J. Abrams movie. It's not a bad Star Wars movie. It's a bad J.J. Abrams movie. And that's a very different bad movie. It it has more in common with Star Trek Into Darkness than any of the prequels in terms of its flaws and failings. And I can't accept that as Star Wars. And I don't think I ever will. I walked out of all three prequels, even with my my misgivings about them thinking, well, eventually they will be smoothed over in my brain and they will all just be star Wars. And that was true. It's always became, became true and even might eventually be true of solo, but it's never going to be true of of rise of Skywalker.
0: Yeah. I I think we're in total agreements on that. Thank
1: God for this clone (laughs) war season and Mandalorian season one, reminding me all through the rise of Skywalker debacle that star Wars can and is still good.
0: And that is a perfect way to end it because I think we're 100% ingredients on that too. So I just want to say thanks, Matt. I mean, I, I mean, it's fun to have conversations with you and especially since you're a huge Star Wars fan. And I'm also not as big as you, but I'm definitely a big Star Wars fan as well. It's only because so. you
1: haven't been alive as long.
0: Yeah, I'll we'll I mean, get there. I'll get there. There's so much lore. I'm like, holy cow.
1: But then I'll be like an angry 65-year-old <laughs> complaining about episode 30- 34 and the, Who knows? the same show over and over again. Well,
0: Dave Filoni gets in the mix, that might change. So um, yeah, that's true. So uh, if you thank you so much for guys for listening. If you like this content, uh, check us out. We're Sifted.net. Go to Patreon.com/sifted and just give us a couple of dollars. You do get this content early if you are a patron. So if you are not, head over to Patreon so you can get this as soon as we drop it. Um, also, if you can go to Twitch, you can link that Amazon account to your Twitch Prime to your Twitch account and you can do that via Twitch Prime and give us a free $2.50. There is more to come with more spoils. Uh, We will definitely be touching games very soon and I can't wait to do that with everybody. So we will see you next time.